We are back with another edition of Kansas City's Northeast Newscast. I'm your host, Paul Thompson, and this week I'll actually be interviewed by our publisher, Michael Bushnell. After nine months and 37 episodes of content, we figured the time was right to talk a little bit about our process, some of our favorite interviews throughout the year, and where we expect the podcast to go from here. I wasn't provided with the questions ahead of time, so what you'll hear are my unfiltered reactions to the questions that Michael asked. If you've ever wondered how to create and produce a podcast, or even just have questions about interview skills, then this is a good episode for you. I'd like to give a shout out and thanks to everybody who has continued to listen to our podcast, and we hope that you can continue to see value in it into 2018. Thanks for listening. Hey all, this is Paul Thompson, Managing Editor over the Northeast News, actually sitting across from our publisher, Michael Bushnell, right now. We're going to flip the script a little this week, and he's going to ask me some questions about the podcast, where it goes from here, what this first year of it has been like, and... Actually, you know what? I'm not 100% sure what he's going to ask me because he hasn't. We, we haven't vetted the questions yet, so uh, it'll be just as shocking and surprising for me as it will be for you all, and uh, hopefully it'll be an entertaining listen. Michael, you want to say anything before we start? Just looking forward to, uh, to more great things to come, and right out of the gate, I'm just, I'm just going to go right to it. Sure. We've been at this for almost a year now. We've got 38 podcasts in the books. Well, this will be the 38th, actually, I think. That's, you're right. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Correct. So, 37 in the books, working on 38. Give me some highlights of some of the some of the podcasts that you've done. What's some of your favorites? I know we've chronicled this in last week's paper, but right. pick a couple of moments out of those last 37 and give us an idea of, of uh, some of your high points over the last year. Yeah, there's... That's a good question. There's a ton of them, you know. Uh, I'll, I'll try to keep it concise or as concise as possible here, but uh, I think it was just really exciting to get this project off the ground, you know. It started with a, a pretty simple idea, um, and I really had no idea how to execute it. I did a little research, we got some equipment, and the craziest thing to me was when I started making calls to people, you know, and they were saying yes. <laughs> you know, I just started calling people at City Hall. I think one of our, um, one of the first guests we got, I mean, we got uh, Scott Wagner really early on a uh, councilman out of the first district and you know uh, you know maybe I, I felt almost somewhat sheepish at first saying hey we're trying this thing out we've uh, we made a couple episodes we're just kind of pulling some stuff together and he was just like yeah let's do it and we sat down for a really interesting conversation over the course of 30 or 45 minutes at his office at City Hall so that kind of gave me uh, extra enthusiasm moving forward to know that hey people are interested in doing this thing and, and want to get their voices out there as well as their messages from there you know we, we got quentin lucas to to be on it i thought that was a a really entertaining conversation and um as we went forward we just tried to kind of keep playing with it and come up with new ideas uh new concepts new styles uh, i think one of the uh the really interesting things that we did was the the day in the life series i did a couple of those uh one of them with animal control officer chris harriman and initially, I think I was only going to spend an hour or two hours with him in the field, and we ended up driving around for four hours. And it was also the day where the audit of the Animal Control Division was released by the auditor's office. And so we got a chance to talk a little bit about that at the end. And it was just such an interesting confluence of events with that one that I, I don't think I could have planned it. You know, I, I, I didn't even know that that was going to be released that day. And as it is, we just start talking about it. It was a really spur of the moment and, and really an interesting conversation one of the and i think that's 
you can call it forecasting, call it uh, premonition, whatever. Coincidence but, is another word, maybe. <laughs> it's it's one of the it's one of the issues that that we're still talking about today between the the disconnect between animal control and KC Pet Project, and it's it's something that we'll continue to talk about through 2018, I'm sure. Sure. Um, but one of the and it talked a little bit about forecasting. On April, you sat down with uh, Central Patrol Commander Rick Smith, who sure. ultimately was named the Chief of Police for Kansas City, Missouri. And right. That's one of the ones I'm sure, and we continue to have a great relationship with Rick and the police department. Um, but he literally called me right before we started here <laughs> for a quote on a story I'm working on right now. So yeah, he's a... Uh, uh, he's a little busier, I think. <laughs> he's got a little more going on these days. I don't talk to him quite as much as I used to, but uh, it, it's good to know that uh, in, in a time of need, he can return a call and uh, offer a quote on something. But he he did say yesterday when I spoke with him that he was still drinking from a fire hose. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's coming at him pretty fast. I think. <laughs> and, uh, um, so far, so good. It was, and one of the other ones, you spent time with Alan Ashurst as well, the city's illegal dumping cop, right? Yeah, that one was really fun. You know, I had, uh, I didn't have a ton of knowledge about his background, but uh, essentially what it is, is uh, Alan Ashurst is essentially the illegal dumping investigator, or one of them for the city of Kansas City, and he's got this just incredible coverage zone. I mean, he's dri- his, his job is literally driving around the city and he places these sort of hunting cameras, camouflage hunting cameras, uh, really expertly in, in all these various spots around town where he's seen uh, a big bump in illegal dumping. So, and he'll call these people, you know, he'll get people's numbers, he'll contact them. I, I sat in on some interesting conversations he has with these people where they say, oh no, I didn't do that, and he's got video of it. So, he's a really interesting guy, he's, he's a huge character. And huge in a, in the physical stature sense. <laughs> he's a he's a big guy, but I think it's more just that his personality is huge. You know, uh, he just he's a mile a minute. He's got a ton of awesome anecdotes. He's you know at one time he had pitched a reality TV show about his job, and I thought that <laughs> you know it seems like something that a lot of people would have watched. I don't know if if much ever came of it, but uh, you know he poured his heart and soul into that thing, and. Um, it's just interesting to to talk to somebody that that has all these big ideas, and I, you know, we just had a blast. We were driving around town, and you know, he'd pull his truck up to a stop, and he'd say, "So where's the camera?" You know, and I'm sitting in the passenger seat of his car in shotgun. Is this a trick question? Well, it never was. There was one every time he did that, which was pretty cool. But uh, yeah, I, I think I only found it a couple of times. I mean, usually I needed a little prodding and nudging, and then you look up in a tree twenty feet up and to your left and there it is it's you know nestled between a couple of branches and yeah it looks like a bird's nest or something but surprise it, yeah it was uh that one was really cool that was interesting and i think that was actually our first day in the life series if i'm not mistaken and uh i, I really enjoyed doing that and i thought you know having finished it when it was all done it took it takes a little bit more time to edit those ones but i think those are some of our strongest episodes so i, I do enjoy doing them we kind of bumped up to the to the national level in July, and you had a chance to sit down with uh, sitting Congressman Emmanuel Cleaver for the 5th District of the State of Missouri. Right. Um, how was... Uh, Cleaver has always been an excellent orator and a former mayor of Kansas oh, wow. City as well, city councilman. And how, walk us through how you prepped for that podcast with somebody that sits and makes headlines on a national level. 
Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, that was a really interesting one. I was actually pretty nervous for that one because <laughs> it's Emmanuel Cleaver. It's the first person I had interviewed for the podcast who has a street named after him in Kansas City. Uh, and as you mentioned, he kind of looms larger than life in Kansas City. You know, he's been around in this political scene for decades. So you kind of just try to pull a little from here, a little from there. The interesting thing about that one is that interview happened, geez, it must have been is in the immediate aftermath of the of the congressional baseball shooting over the summer right where uh steve Cal- scalise what had been hit and you know i don't even think we knew at that point uh you know how much he was going to be able to heal whether he'd be coming back to congress it was just a really interesting time a scary time and in the wake of that um cleaver and i, I believe it was kevin yoder came out and sort of a bipartisan message at that time And I thought it was really interesting. It was one of the things I talked to him about. Um, So that kind of was a ready-made thing that was was right at the front of kind of America's uh, mind at that time. So I think that was an easy one for me to to touch on. Uh, Some of the other stuff, you know, I just just went and did a little bit of research and found some items that, one, were interesting, hopefully, to people in the Northeast. Um, But there was stuff that had happened in that year that I thought was relevant as well. Um, He held uh, a town hall on immigration after the executive order related to uh, travel from or to and from Muslim majority countries that was released in late January. And that had huge attendance over at Manual Career Tech. Um, And so that was just a continuing thing that he was obviously passionate about that I would have been remiss if I didn't ask him about. So things like that. I tried to find areas where he had made public statements or areas where maybe he hadn't, but it was something that would be very interesting to Kansas City residents. So I think we talked a little bit about violence um, because it had been one of the most violent years in Kansas City. So uh, he was really thoughtful. We spent almost an hour, and, uh, you know, he didn't shoo me out. I didn't hear anything from his staff until, until pretty close to the end. So uh, he was really open, and, and like you mentioned, he's a, he's a pretty good speaker, and he, he still kind of got it at, at, at his age in these days. So it, it was pretty interesting one and um i think i learned a lot from talking to him on that one one of the ones that or one of the podcasts that that i really got a kick out of and it and it really kind of paints a picture of of some of the things that we've got going on in historic northeast both figuratively and literally and we've got a burgeoning artist population here in the community and and you sat down and talked with one of the city's uh, best muralist and uh, Kansas City Art Institute uh, professor or instructor, if you will, Hector Casanova. Oh yeah. And Hector, if, if for people that aren't familiar with with Hector, has done a number of projects, predominantly on on public school property, Scarrett School. Uh, his classes have done those murals, and then he just did an install down at Whittier Elementary here within the last couple of months. Right. So what what kind of what kind of prep did you do to for for that interview, and what did you come? What were your takeaways in talking with Hector? Uh, the interesting thing about the Hector stuff is that uh, we had actually, you know, we've covered a lot of that stuff with the Northeast News. So one of the things you do is you just type his name into our search engine and start reading old stories that we had done with him, uh, and kind of hearing, looking at quotes that he had made before. Uh, checking out the projects that he had done and for those if anybody's listening who hasn't had a chance to check out the murals over at Scarrett Elementary the former Scarrett Elementary those are really really cool and they've been it's kind of an ongoing project they they put them up a couple of them were damaged they did touch up 
and then they moved on to another project with another KCPS building. But, you know, Hector's a really thoughtful guy, and he cares about the community. He cares about art. He cares about passion. Um, one of the things I asked him about was there, there's been a lot of graffiti in the Northeast. Yeah, I know that you're aware of that. They're, the infamous screw. I'm that guy. I'm it, telling it Pretty that. much anybody in Kansas City <laughs> knows who that is because they or it, they don't even realize it perhaps, but they've seen it because he tags his name, his, his handle, if you will, all over the city. So, And he was one of the individuals who had vandalized the murals up at, up at Scared, if I'm not mistaken. So I asked him about that, and uh, he, he provided a really thoughtful answer. The, the thing about Sprue is that he looks like he does have some talent, you know? And, and Hector sees that. He, even after getting his own stuff, his own pet projects vandalized, he says, well, it, it has some artistic value to it, um, even if he's not really channeling it in the right way. So I, I felt like when I talked to Hector about that, he said, man, I'd love to. He's excited about the possibility of, like, I, you know, I asked him, what would you say to him? And he's saying... And I think his response was something along the lines of, I'd like to channel that. And, and that know? was one of the things in, in my conversation with him as well. And as, as a former Neighborhood Association president, you know, he really taught me, you know, I guess my takeaway from talking with him you know, on another story that we did was, you know, look past the fact that it's a, that it's a tag and you, you may have a personality conflict with this guy. But let's see if we can get him over to our side of the fence mm-hmm. and and use him as a positive influence. Right. And I think that he's got that ability, that in, innate ability to see that and, and go straight for it. And it seems like he's got a really good relationship with his students. Uh, otherwise, I don't know that you would get them coming down to the Northeast from the Art Institute and, and you know continuing to work on all these projects. I think some of them will even come back and do touch-up when they're not even in his class anymore. So um, it's interesting. I think he's... Uh, you know he is a really good influence on a lot of these young artists. It would be, it would be a heck of a story if Screw ever did reach out to him and they got together and worked on something. Uh, I would love to to cover that if I could. But you know, in talking to Hector, the thing about him is that he's just a really passionate guy, uh, really talented artist, and I just think he, you know, it, it kind of shines through when you talk to him. And I I thought that was a really interesting conversation because. Uh, he seems to have that passion still, you know, and it, I, I like to see that, that that still continues building as he progresses in his career. One of the one of the things that's still in the news and will continue to be in the news uh, throughout 2018, as a matter of fact, we had our first homicide last night down at 40 in Manchester. I saw that. Um, in November, you did the violent crime episode, and we're, we're coming off a year where Kansas City had 149 homicides. And a number of those took place in in historic Northeast. Where do you see that? I guess where do you see that going? And what was your takeaway from sitting down with the people that uh, you sat down with for that particular podcast? The violent crime episode came as a result of just this this one sort of window there where there was just a flurry of homicides in the Northeast. I think we had three in three days and. You hear from people, and everybody's fed up about it. And you, and as you cover the stuff, you kind of get worn down a little bit too, because you just keep going to crime scenes, and you hear, you see the same things, and the the the, the story or the narrative of what happens uh, seems to be, you know, it's almost like it's just a, a circle, you know, it's a it's a cycle, and it just keeps kind of coming back around to these same issues that are facing the community. And I think a lot of it has to do with 
quality of life issues, right? If, if you're comfortable in your life, then you're probably less likely to, to commit violent crimes like that, right? Because it's a huge risk. With that one, it was just a matter of everybody being at their wits end and talking to them about it. So there was a lot of raw nerves. Um, I think I recorded a lot of that during a community meeting at St. Anthony here in the Northeast where um, East Patrol Major... Uh, well, we had Ryan Mills, the captain, captain from Major, Major Jim Thomas had showed up to kind of talk about the efforts that they, they've got underway. And they can't be 100% specific about some of the details and what they're working on, but they wanted to assure residents of Northeast that they are working on these issues. But at the same time, juxtaposed against that is comments from people who were at the meeting or people who are dealing with this in their day-to-day uh, who live near somebody who fires shots off on the regular or you know, are, are just becoming... I guess, unfortunately, used to this idea of gunfire happening in their neighborhood. So there is a bit of... I think there's a lot of earnest earnestness coming from the police department officials who showed up at that meeting, but there's a lot of earnestness coming from the neighborhood members who were there, too, and they just... You know, they don't really care how it's done. They just want to see it happen, and I think that shined through a little bit on that one. And you, you we went straight from that to uh, an episode that focused, you know... Uh, a lot on the positives that, that's going on in the community, and one of those is the tamale kitchen. Mm. And you just you just wrapped that one up. And Becky Grip is doing great things over at uh, at, at her tamale kitchen. That's what it is. I right. believe it's at Seventh Paseo. Right. But well, um, that's, uh, actually, that's where they initially had it. They I went over to Independence for that episode. They were operating out of a kitchen in a church in Independence. And, okay. But they had plans to open up there. Well. Maybe I should let you finish a question. Did you have something? Well, no. It, that basically, you, you're you're taking off and running with it, and that's great. Um, because yeah. that's where ultimately where I wanted to go with it. But she's taking uh, people who are at risk and putting them to work in an environment where they can use their skills and gain marketable skills uh, to advance their their professional lives and personal right. lives. And that, what was your takeaway from that? Because you did that on the heels of the violent crime one. Right. If you just sit around and, and harp on violent crime forever, like I mentioned, it, you'll wear yourself down, I think. So it, it, I think it's uh, worthwhile to tell some of these stories that are happening in the community that are a little bit more positive. That's a great example of it. The thing about the Tamale Kitchen is that it's kind of an empowering operation for the women that work there. You know, they... And they want to expand. They're working on that. They want to get a new kitchen. They uh, want to, to keep selling more. Um, they, they do a lot of special events and things like that. So what happened was they were doing a cook at that church in Independence that I mentioned before. And so I just kind of sat in on it and watched them as, and then pulled Becky over to the side to do an interview about how she came up with the idea, where it's going from here, what challenges she's had along the way. And um, it, was, it was pretty informative stuff. But she's got a passion the women there, you know, they had smiles on their face the whole time. You know, I think they're happy to be doing it. They see opportunity. And, you know, it's it's not quite a full-time thing for them quite yet. I think they're meeting, I think she said, once once a week, once every two weeks for an eight-hour cook or something of that nature. So they there, there is room for expansion. And I just think they're excited about the opportunity to sort of build upon that and, and use their skills in a way. I think a, a great anecdote from that was... The story of uh, one of the one of the women who works for Tamale Kitchen. 
who had kind of extensive accounting skills, and she didn't really get it, hadn't had a chance to really utilize that a lot since she moved to Kansas City. And so it was kind of neat to, to just hear Becky talk about how she was introduced to some sort of accounting softwares and has sort of ran with it to help them keep track of the sales, uh, you know, some of the materials that they need, ingredients, things like that. So it's, it's, I think as she goes, she finds that these women that she's working with have even more skills than she realized up front, and they can be utilized in a lot of different ways to help the business grow. I thought that was really neat. Um, in, the, in the last couple of minutes that, that we've got, I want to ask you, based on the year that we've had, and with 37 great podcasts, and uh, where do you see this going? Do you basically in the same direction, or where would you like to take this in 2018? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I just want to keep being creative with it, you know, come up with new ideas. I don't, you don't want to get too stale. Um, and as I become more comfortable with the interview process, the editing process, hopefully I can continue to keep growing and making interesting episodes. I think one of the ways you can do that is sort of be resourceful about when you're taking audio and what you're doing with that, right? I, I think in the past, journalists oftentimes record something, you transcribe it, and then you write it in a story and release it in your paper and then later on, on your website or something of that nature. But I think there's something to be said about whatever the news of the day is. When you're, when you're recording, I mean, maybe people are interested in hearing that audio directly instead of a condensed version of it and filtered where you've only got a quote here or a quote there. So I think maybe being creative about that, whenever there's something big happening at City Hall, for instance, I know we did like a City Hall episode a couple weeks ago when they were talking about the airport. Mm -hmm. That's a way for us to take a lot of audio while we're there and then utilize it in a way where people can hear it and it sort of equates to real time, you know, they, right. and hopefully you could kind of place them in that moment. And I'd like to do a little bit more of that. So when I'm going to cover a story, take as much audio as I can and maybe doing a story and then taking all the audio and, and throwing that into a podcast episode too. So I think, I think there's something like that more of those day in the life series. Cause I just have a lot of fun doing those. There's so many interesting people in the city that as long as you can keep scheduling them and people keep saying yes, you know, I'll, I'll tie it back to where we started on this thing. I'm always surprised when people say yes to these interviews. You know, I never, I don't take it for granted. So I think it's really cool when people keep saying yes and allow me to do interesting stories and provide access. And I think the most important thing is to talk openly. If, if I'm hearing you correctly, you're asking the big publisher guy for more embedding opportunities, right? Yeah, there we go. <laughs> and, uh, and it, it not only just you, I mean, I, anything you can find and uh, any conversations you can have with people to, to kind of put me in a position where I can get a story that maybe people haven't heard a lot of would be great. But, but from, I, it, from a reader standpoint, right. I mean, let us, I, I would encourage listeners and readers. Yeah, you took the words out of my mouth. If, oh, if, sorry. No, I mean, by all means, you're, you're good. But that's exactly what I was going to say, too. If, if anybody, I want to hear feedback from people. So if they're saying, well, you've done a lot on this, but if you could do a little bit on this, that would be great, too. Or if they just say, hey, listen, I'm a reader, I've got this business, or I'm doing this community service, or I know this person who's really active in their neighborhood, and hey, it's in the Northeast. That would be something I'd be very interested in. There you go. So reader submissions, uh, just ideas from people who say, you know who would be cool is this person. They're doing a lot of interesting things in the city. So reader feedback, and of course... My publisher, if you've got anything, uh, any ideas from people, I would uh, happily jump on that as well. Listen, Paul, thank you very much for taking the time today to sit down with me. 
we appreciate everything you've done in the past. Looking forward to a great 2018. Thank you very much. Hey, thank you. You're natural. I appreciate it. <laughs> and that is it for this week's edition of Kansas City's Northeast Newscast. Thanks once again to everybody who's been listening to the episodes. And as we mentioned before, we encourage anybody with ideas or anybody who maybe knows somebody who would be an excellent interview candidate to reach out to us. It's pretty easy to get us here at the offices. You can email us at northeastnews at socket.net or you could give us a call at 816-241-0765. You can just ask for me, Paul Thompson, and I'll do my best to get back to you as soon as possible. At any rate... Thank you. We appreciate you listening.